Welcome to BSD Talk number 261. It's Sunday, January 31st, 2016. I just have an interview for you today, so here it is. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Chris Moore, the uh, lead developer for PCBSD and also one of the co-hosts for BSD Now. Welcome back to BSD Talk. Oh, this is great. It's been a few years, Will, but uh, thanks for having me. I always enjoy doing these with you. Yeah, you know, we run into each other, obviously, during conferences and, mm-hmm. and those things. But yeah, it's been a while since I actually uh, sat down with you to get some some information about the stuff you're working on. And i got to say, this is quieter, though, because usually at the conferences, we're sitting in a hall in a corner and people are walking by and we're like, ah, you know, trying to get the best sound. <laughs> so That's this, right. this works. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and when I say, of course, sitting down with you, we are separated by miles, but at least it's just yes. the two of us. You know, I guess what made me think of reaching out to you was reading an article about how much money Docker is getting. And Docker mm-hmm. is this new container thing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, so much of what they're doing is you know, similar to what was going on in FreeBSD jails. And sure. some of what your, I think, initial thoughts for Warden were. So mm-hmm. I guess I wanted to just catch up with you on warden where that's been obviously there's been some change in focus sure so you know maybe we'll just sort of start at the beginning for those of you out there who haven't heard much about warden talk to us about the origins of warden and and how that started well i will definitely do that but i do got to mention i feel like with docker i look at that and go didn't we already solve these problems like isn't that stuff we did years ago but anyway i digress (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh getting back to warden so warden gosh i don't even know how many years ago i started that now it has to be six plus years, maybe even seven or eight now. But uh, Warden was originally started uh, back before things like IOCage existed and and other jail managers, Um, back before we were even doing ZFS. It was all on UFS when I started writing that. And the idea was I wanted an easy-to-use command line uh, shell script-based jail management system, but then couple that with a QT-based GUI. So if you're a desktop user, you have something you can point and click and easily spin up jails, tear down jails, do packages, etc. So Warden just kind of evolved out of that and uh, over the years started adding features like uh, ZFS support was a biggie when that finally went in and being able to do snapshots of jails, rollbacks, and uh, do some different things, how we could clone templates, etc. Um, so over the years, like that, uh, that had all kind of matured and we had a nice QT GUI, which was pretty powerful, but... Uh, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, you know, I started having to take a look at some other stuff out there. Some other projects like IOCage had come along. Of course, EG Jails had been out for a while now. I think QJL was another one. And uh, honestly, I hadn't had as much time to hack on Warden anymore. I mean, life gets busy, and when you're doing PCBSD, we have a lot more moving parts and utilities than just Warden. I mean, if I wanted to be honest, I could have worked full-time just on jail management. And yeah, but I couldn't ignore everything else. There's a lot of other stuff to do. So, so some features just never got added, never got uh, put in that I would have liked, and just time was a constraint. So I think uh, the article you probably uh, were referring to earlier was something we wrote in BSD Mag or BSD Journal with uh, me and Bra- uh, Brandon, who uh, is one of the IOCage developers, talking about our, our shift from Warden over to IOCage. 
And the reason for that decision was, uh, again, about a year and a half time frame. I, I don't know quite specifically when I decided to do this, but I had just started experimenting with IOCage. Looked at it, really liked what I saw. Again, it was shell-based. It looked like um, very similar to Warden and a lot of functionality. Even some of the command line syntax was pretty darn similar. And it looked like they had taken a lot of the ideas and run with it to the logical conclusion that I would have loved to take Warden to had uh, we had time and resources to devote to that. Um, this looked like a perfect opportunity for us, though, to kind of join forces. I'm not a big fan of code duplication. <laughs> so if somebody else is doing something really cool and it's better than ours, I am will be the first to uh, snap that up and say, how can we use that instead? Right? So... I looked at IOCage and said, wow, it's already doing everything what we wanted. I uh, didn't have the legacy UFS cruft that Warden still had kind of hanging around the nooks and crannies that just never got pruned out. So it just felt a lot cleaner. It was doing things properly, like uh, using ZFS properties for uh, jail properties. And that just seemed to all make sense. Again, all the things that if we had to redesign Warden today on a ZFS world, that's probably what except IOCage was already doing it. Plus, it brought some of the best of both worlds. It had some of the easy jails concepts, like a base jails, and it did all the nullfs mount trickery in the background to make that work. So, again, it had some of the features I wanted, but it was similar enough to Warden. This felt like a natural uh, path to migrate to. And the thinking behind this was, too, since we know we have limited resources, there's limited time that I have or a couple of the other developers have here, why don't we use a tool like IOCage and then we can spend our time on doing a, a GUI for it like the original Warden had because that's still an important part which we think will be uh, useful to some folks who aren't as command line familiar and you know maybe you're just experimenting and playing around. So that lets us uh, change a little bit of our focus to working on that specific part of it as opposed to having to uh, wrangle both ends of it. Now if I recall from one of our early conversations about Warden years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, the graphical user interface was one part of it that mm-hmm. uh, was unique. And I think I remember that there was at least an intent to have sort of templates where one could build sure. and essentially create a marketplace for mm-hmm. jails. Uh, and I don't know whether that is still... A Docker. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's still a thing, very much so. Matter of fact, more so in I.O. Cage. So Warden, we we kind of tinkered with those ideas, but never fleshed them out to maturity. Again, uh, time constraints being what they were, we never really got to sit down and really flesh that out. But I.O. Cage, uh, I've been working with Brandon, who's uh, been working with us over here at IX Systems, and he had, and me had sat down and kind of whiteboarded out some ideas. Uh, about a year ago, we met in person. And uh, one of the ideas we came up with was how do we do this kind of template or app-based jail where you download a pre-configured jail that's ready to go as opposed to the traditional steps where, okay, and we pick a FreeBSD version, we deploy that, configure it, and then package add things, configure, and then you end up with something useful doing what you want to do. Um, we decided to cut out those middle steps as much as possible and came up with a way of using uh, Git as the distribution mechanism where you could uh, publish the uh, the diff, for example. You would... Uh, let me think how I best explain this. So right now in the IOCage Devel, there is this concept of Git jails. And what those do is you pair them to a base release of FreeBSD a la a base jail. So we'll say 10.2, for example. And then uh, you do your package ads, you do your configuration, you know, set up your rc.conf knobs, users, whatever it is. And when you're done, you end up with this directory because it's a base jail and it's doing weird nullfs mounts in the background. You end up with this directory. It only has the changes 
that would have existed on top of a, a vanilla 10.2 installation. And that's what we uh, commit and push to a Git repo somewhere. Now, for the end, deploying that jail is as simple as just doing the uh, IO cage, I think, fetches the syntax we're using at the moment and pointing at the Git repo and it figures out, oh, this is based on 10.2 and it pairs it with a FreeBSD 10.2 base and you end up with your jail pre-configured, ready to go, running Plex or, uh, you know, pick whatever it is you felt like creating. But uh, that's one way we came up with to make it a little easier to push changes around. Plus, we can use Git to do things like pulling in updates as well. Okay. And uh, also, you know, if you've used Git for a while, you know it's a version control system. It does binaries reasonably well. It's not maybe the best at it, but uh, for our purposes, it's working pretty darn good. Now, because jails are all sharing, well, not sharing the same kernel, but they aren't, mm-hmm. they don't use their own separate kernel. Sure. How portable are these templates across versions of PCBSD? Well, since they're not using the same kernel, I mean, as long as they're paired with the right base system of FreeBSD underneath, then they're pretty darn portable. So um, I run uh, 11 current on my laptop and my workstation at the office. I can run the same jails or templates there as I do on my 10.2 box at home because it's just going to pair it with the correct FreeBSD base release underneath. Uh, going backwards works great. It, it forwards a little harder. So if you rolled a, a jail with packages for 11, you wouldn't deploy that on your 10.2 host. But if you're running 11, you can go back and run 10.1, 10.2 uh, clients or jails essentially, and that works fine. Now, for at least within PCBSD, mm-hmm. as a, I guess, focused on the desktop user distribution, what do you see as the use case for something like jails? Like, obviously, on the server side, I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to spin up a, you know, I've got some web applications, one that relies on PHP 4, and another mm-hmm. one that relies on PHP 5, and you sure. don't have to mix and match that stuff. But for a desktop user, why might they be using something like this? Well, to be honest with you, your typical desktop user probably wouldn't use it as much. Um, they're not as interested in, in uh, understanding how the jails work or the privilege separation. They just want to run, you know, click an app and have something go. Um, the, the one aspect, though, that is potentially interesting to desktop users is the idea of running something like Plex or a service. So, you know, your typical desktop user maybe has no idea what Apache and Nginx and all these different things you typically throw in a jail are. But maybe they've heard of this cool thing called Plex and, uh, or Subsonic or take your pick, you know, Cody. There's a bunch of different things out there now, right? And they're like, well, that's cool. There's a template where I can just with a couple clicks get a Plex server set up and then I can share media and it shows up on my phone. How cool is that? And we take a little bit of the, the pain out of uh, having to do the package management and do some of the configuration steps on your own. So for a desktop user, it just lowers the bar of entry a bit more, you know, a la Docker, if you will and makes it uh, easier for them to start experimenting with something they normally wouldn't. But at the moment, we're not doing things crazy like running Firefox in the jails or anything like that. There's not been a good uh, reason for us to switch to that for everything. And what about resource limiting? You know, For a desktop mm-hmm. user, you're a little less concerned about the security of the jail in the sense sure. that you're probably the only major user of it. Mm-hmm. But when you look at an ISP or something like that, that might want to be using jails to host other people's applications where other people are root in those jails and can chew up a lot of CPU and memory. Does IOCage and your user interface allow you to set those kinds of limits? Yes. So IOCage does have some of the support. Again, this was something Warden didn't have back in the day because when we developed it, these were still new things. Um, But it does have the support for setting resource limits. So for example, CPU and memory constraints, et cetera. IOCage, 
various uh, wrappers and subcommands, which will let you do that. So you can set up, for example, a memory limit. And this is how much RAM we can uh, allocate to this jail or CPU time, etc. If you look at uh, the RCTL command, it's basically a wrapper around that. And did IOCage come with any kind of GUI, or is the GUI that you're making the only one that you're aware of? IOCage does not have a GUI. It is purely a command line, 100% shell, very lightweight, uh, spiritual successor to Warden, I guess I'd say, because it is shell and has no external dependencies, which was a, a thing when we wrote Warden we wanted. So, uh, yeah, very similar in that sense. But no, no GUI, and that's where we're trying to step in and do something new to make that possible. And I believe Warden was available to FreeBSD users, not just mm-hmm. CBSD. So you're going to continue that also? Yes, we're going to be continuing with that tradition and doing some new, neat, exciting stuff for FreeBSD users as well, which makes it uh, a little more fun to run PCBSD tools as opposed to uh, the way it is right now. Dare you give us a little hint of what that okay. might be? <laughs> so sure. So um, I've talked about this a couple places now, but I, I love telling people because we're still in the early stages, some codes being done. We have some experimental things in-house, but uh, hopefully in six months or so we'll have something fun we can show off with 11 for at least people to start playing with. But the idea is is we're starting to get to the point in FreeBSD where there's a lot of really good tools out there. There's things like IOCage. Now we have IOHive, which is starting to mature for doing uh, VMs. There's a lot of neat command line uh, applications, which, again, FreeBSD is typically a server. So that's where people are going to write their first apps. And we're looking at that and going, hmm, how can we leverage those in PCBSD and make them more accessible to a wider mainstream audience, maybe who isn't as comfortable with the command line? So about three months ago, uh, we sat down, we had a meeting here and decided, you know, we're going to do something a little different with PCBSD and we're going to target 11.0. But the plan is we have all these cool GUIs. If you've ever run PCBSD and looked at our control panel, you'll see there's QT GUIs for user management, firewall management, jail management. um, The list goes on, disk management, et cetera, right? We have all these cool little GUIs. But they uh, they all depend on being run directly on the system, and they're kind of separated out, and they're each a standalone separate app that was developed at a different um, time period, maybe by different developers who contributed, et cetera. And we kind of wanted to reevaluate all that and see how can we unify all these and make it useful for more people aside from just PCBSD desktop users. So the plan was we have all these cool apps, again, like IOCage, IOHive, and the FreeBSD-based system itself, what we decided to do is take our QT knowledge and experience and turn that into a uh, API middleware. So a very lightweight API middleware. When I say QT, some people get scared and go, oh, that's all X. Well, no, it's it's been headless for a long time. You can run QT without X and you don't need all those packages. So uh, you know, calm down. It's, it's going to be okay. But uh, fairly lightweight, but very, very fast. And what it does is it uh, exposes a WebSockets API and a REST API. And what we're doing is we're converting uh, or writing, basically, APIs to all these FreeBSD commands and utilities. Again, so we'll have an IOCage API that lets you create jails, manage jails, start, stop, you know, pretty much everything that IOCage will let you do from the command line. We're going to expose that via an API with uh, using JSON, etc. So we can control that over WebSockets and over REST. And ditto for uh, things like Life Preserver, another PCBSD utility for doing replications and snapshots and all that. So we're basically, at the moment, we're working very heavily on this server middleware API. Now, a couple important things to point out about it. We want this to be really useful for FreeBSD users. We don't want this to be something that's exclusive to PCBSD. So when we designed this API, we decided right up front that it's going to be a a two-way 
uh, a middleware. In other words, if you're a sysadmin and you have muscle memory and you're an SSH guy, which this is how I configure things a lot of times, I'm going to SSH to a box and tweak knobs in rc.conf or tweak settings in uh, the password file or whatever, right? Well, this API is not going to be storing a database somewhere where all those changes get lost or out of sync when you reboot. Can, well, I, we decide- can I applaud now? Just because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what I wanted. This is this was my use case, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm never going to give up that that traditional old school. Hey, you SSA into a box and you run a command and you make a setting and change a knob and restart a server. I wanted our API to work you know, seamlessly with that. The goal here is not to supplant FreeBSD, but supplement it. So that's that's the goal of this new API. So. Um, yeah, if you make a change on the file system, the, the the config files that you're used to and you know and love are the source of truth. Now, if you're a new user, maybe you don't care about that and you do everything via the API, that's fine. You don't have to know what's going on under the hood. But if you're a traditional FreeBSD guy or a sysadmin, like, I need that comfort where I know I can go log in and copy a comp file or look at a comp file and, and know that that's actually the source of truth. So uh, anyway, that's that's something unique to our API that we're doing. And uh, it's very lightweight. It's just basically sit in the middle, take a request over a WebSockets over uh, with JSON, or take a JSON request over REST. It'll talk to the disk, look at a comp file, and return JSON back. Right? Simple uh, requests, and then it'll also do things like event notification. So uh, another task that the middleware will have is do a queue file system watcher is what we call it in QT. That's the class they use, but it lets us monitor certain files for changes. So. If rc.conf changes or say a jail changes or something changes on disk, the middleware will notice that and be able to return an event to any client and it'll return that back over the WebSockets. And we'll also record all those. We're going to have a nice log system in place too. So when an event is generated, we store that on disk, not in a database, but actually in a flat file directory. Organize things by class and by time and whatnot. So Again, if you're old school like me, you can go grep through a directory and look for a specific event or something if you're trying to figure out what happened on a box um, after the fact. So um, that's all very important to us, and this is something we think would be cool for FreeBSD users. But it gets better, Will. This is, this is the part where I get really excited, right? <laughs> so since we're doing this, we're basically separating out um, a middleware, and then we'll now have a Qt GUI client, which what we're going to do is try and have all the exact same Qt GUIs that we've had in PCBSD will have the user manager, firewall manager, jail manager, um, eventually the beehive manager with IOHive. Um, all these different uh, QT utilities, we're going to be changing them so they run entirely so it can be done over the local host. So if you're on a PCBSD box, really you're just talking to the API on your local connection, right? But because it's WebSockets, we've already set it up to be all uh, SSL and encrypted and we're doing this whole authentication scheme uh, the idea is is to expose this over the – you can potentially expose it over the internet or over your LAN. So now you have the ability on a PCBSD box to control other PCBSD boxes or FreeBSD boxes if you've installed the server API and turned it on. Now, it's going to get even cooler, but – the reasoning behind this is I have a lot of desktops I run here, right? And I just remember thinking, now, wouldn't it be cool if I didn't have to remember to SSH into this box and start an update or SSH in there and tweak this knob? Like if I could just point my GUI at that and say, go do these things or point my GUI at it and say, do it on all 10 boxes, start updates, how cool would that be? That's where we're going with this. And uh, not only that, since the client's written in pure QT, we're not doing any uh, Unixy stuff in it. Since it's pure QT, we're planning to compile and release that for Windows and OS X 
as well, and probably Linux uh, down the road also. And if we got really crazy, we could even do Android or iOS if we wanted to. Qt works there. But uh, that's the plan. We've already actually executed some of that. We have clients being built for Windows and OS X already, and they will connect to a server somewhere, either over the net or your local network, and authenticate and blah, 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 all that jazz. So at the moment, we're expanding out the middleware API, and then we're going to start going hog wild on the client um, UI side and adding up all, adding all the utilities. So we'll be adding back in the user manager and, until we get everything that we already have on PCBSD into this new system. So that's, that's kind of the huge overview of what we're doing at the moment. We're a little ways away, so don't go downloading anything yet and assuming it's going to do all this awesomeness. But that's the plan. That's what we're targeting, and, and we're working rapidly towards it with the hope of having something in by 11.0 for people to at least start playing with and finding somewhat useful. I, I can hear your uh, BSD Now co-host saying that so much of this would be easier if everyone chose a common config file for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've had this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I mean, the idea of parsing all of those various, you know, because... I do love the idea of the files on disk being the source of truth and not having an intermediate database. But then, mm-hmm. yes, you get into all the complexity of, of config sure. file formatting. But that's another episode or an well, episode you've already had. You so. know, I'll briefly, <laughs> I'll briefly comment on that. You know, we've already done most of that work. This is not new. In other words, we already have all the Qt code written for all these different GUIs we've written over the last 10 years to tweak rc.conf and to you know, tweak the password file and to tweak all these different files that have slightly different syntaxes. That code exists. That's all open source. So that's where we came up with the idea like we can just rip a lot of this out. It's a lot of copy and paste work. Instead of it being in this one Qt utility for the firewall manager, we're just throwing it into the middleware. It's Qt. And we just tweak it slightly to return JSON as opposed to like a Q string list or something. And problem solved. So a lot of these things, like I went through and added the entire Life Preserver API in about three days. And uh, it does everything the old GUI used to. Again, it's some things will be harder than that, but I feel like we've already done a lot of the work. We just need to logically organize it correctly now to do this new thing. Sure. Well, it does seem that um, it's it's a lovely service for the BSD community to have, mm-hmm. you know, some focus on making the systems easy to use, particularly for, for new folks. I mean, there's, there's always a lot of power in the command line, but at the same mm-hmm. time, certain tasks are, are nice when they're just a click away. Well, what, what I'm really excited about for me is I run a lot of, there's a lot of servers here and a lot of desktops. I'm looking forward to when I have my client on my laptop or on my desktop, the cool thing about the client is we're going to make the configuration exportable and importable. So once you've gotten it connected to all your various systems, you can then export that and bring it up on your laptop. And now when you're on the road, you can manage all those boxes remotely. Bring up the QT GUIs on any of them. What it is, I think, is going to be the event notification system. So on my tray, I'll have the little sysadmin client living down there. And I can you know, t- toggle and tweak it to show me specific types of events or basically set levels. Like I only care about really critical events or errors as opposed to just informational. But I can now look and go, okay, all my 12 servers did backups last night. I got an event and it'll show up and things good at a glance. And I can do that again on the road up or wherever. And come back later. Well, all that stuff's stored on the server in the API, and it'll query that, and I can quickly view all my logs and make sure everything's hunky-dory on all my different systems. So the idea of being able to have that and then being able to say I, for some reason, have to use a, a Windows laptop or I have access to one or somebody has one. Maybe they don't run BSD. They now have a tool they can deploy on a Windows laptop or a MacBook 
for their FreeBSD servers and their FreeBSD jails. And it, it kind of fits that, that gap in the middle where it's not so bad to administrate maybe two, three, four systems over SSH manually. But when you kind of get up into the 10, 20, 30, you're not wanting to go to Puppet or something like that because it's a lot of work. But this kind of fits that middle gap where it's like, okay, I can manage five to ten boxes pretty easily now and monitor them all and, and make sure everything's uh, kosher there without having to manually SSH in all the time and verify stuff and monitor via email. And I, I think it's a, it's a nice thing to do for people. You know, If you're working on something like Warden or IO Cage or IO Hive, you're essentially making it really easy for people to just double-click and spin up another – I mean, it's not yeah. a physical machine, but – you know, mm-hmm. As people are having more and more, I guess you'd call them private clouds, a bunch of yep. little machines they've spun up, having it so that they can you know, configure them and maintain them and keep them up to date as, mm-hmm. as a group is, is a nice thing to add to that mix. Well, that, and I know that's what the interview was about was warden and jail management. So that is the plan is to to uh, expand now since we're moving away from warden going to IO cages, take the GUI bits we have still for warden, turn that into an IO cage UI and now offer that to people all either on the local desktop or remotely as well. Because like you said, there's enough people out there that are starting to get curious and like, oh, I should run Plex in a jail. I should run Subsonic. Or what is this own cloud thing I hear about? Or even a WordPress instance or two. Or Minecraft server. You name it. You know, Jails do a lot of neat things. We're just going to try and give people the tooling and ability to run that easily and effectively because not everyone's going to be an SSH expert overnight and know all the IOKH syntax overnight and all the jail resource limiting stuff overnight. If they can just right-click on the GUI and say, only allow 25% CPU or 70 or whatever, that's just going to be a heck of a lot easier, I think, and encourage more people to get started. And hey, maybe someone will throw $975 million worth of venture capital your way for... uh... (laughs) That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, like, let me give out my email address. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I, for those people who are reading about virtualization options and, you know, FreeBSD, I think, is coming up in people's conversations a lot. It is nice for people to be able to ease into it slowly and, and see what it's about. That's right. That's right. We're, we're trying to make that easier. So it's not as scary. Yes, there's nice tooling out there that allows you to try all these really neat technologies without... Um, having to crack open a book or read through a complicated how-to before they kind of get started doing something useful. And um, I'm hoping to do that with like IOHive too. I know it's still kind of new. Beehive's still an up-and-comer. But uh, if we plan ahead, hopefully we can have a nice GUI to go along with it when it starts becoming more mainstream and popular. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think that pretty much covers everything I was I was interested in. And uh, okay. thank you. Thank you so much for taking some time. And uh, I guess if people are interested in seeing your work on the GUI for IOCage and everything, is that just going to come bundled in with PCBSD or do they have to yeah. go somewhere? No, no, no. It's all going to be included with PCBSD. So this this new stack we're working on is going to be the PCBSD control panel, essentially. right? So if you're running a, an OS X build of it or a Windows build of it, you're running the exact same thing you're going to be running on PCBSD. It's just you're talking to a remote as opposed to your local box. Um, but yeah, if you check out any of the PCBSD 11 builds, We'll probably put it in, uh, not February, but the month after that in March's images. You'll probably have a very early alpha to start playing with. At the moment, almost all the work we're doing is on the API side and the server side, so the client hasn't got as much love aside from basic connection stuff. But uh, 
that's going to change it pretty rapidly as we start finishing up these APIs. Then we can change focus and start really hacking on the, the client side. Um, also, we have um, if you follow the PCBSD blogger or keep an eye out there, we will announce we already have builds being done on commit for Windows and OS X clients. If people want to try it that way, again, maybe they're not a BSD user yet and this is the excuse they need to try something related to BSD, they will be able to do that and we'll publish uh, links to those for download when it's a little uh, little farther along and there's something more useful you can do with it aside from just connect and verify it works. Well, I think if you really want to be a big player in the virtualization space, you have to make mm-hmm. sure that your configuration GUIs only work on Windows because that's what everyone else seems to do. That's true. Yeah. That is true, right? <laughs> well, I can, I can pledge right now we're never going to do that. Our <laughs> our goal is to keep it all uh, OS agnostic in a sense so that at least on the client side, you can always run that wherever. And plus, hey, that gives us options. If something new and hot comes around and there's a new mobile thing, odds are QT is going to run on it. We can just compile something for it. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you very much. And I'm not sure if I'll make it to BSDCAN this year. Don't know if you're going. I am definitely going, but uh, it's a bummer if you won't make it. We'll mess you. Yeah, the timing. But for everyone else, uh, download the stuff, give it a try over the next couple months, and then you can uh, pester Chris more about things when uh, you go to Canada. (laughs) Yes, I'm not going to be doing a presentation on it this year because I felt it was a little too early to submit a talk Mm because a lot of it's still, uh, it is still theoretical until we actually have a client I can show off. But at the moment, we're making such rapid progress. I'm hopeful that by the summer, for sure, we'll have something really cool to play with. All right. Great. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Thanks, Will. Bye. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Also, I'd like to thank the OpenBSD Project for the opening music for this podcast.